everybody. Everybody, one and all, welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan. And today we're talking some very different kind of fantasy. <laughs> yeah, this is a potentially off the rails episode already. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's in the vein of uh, some of our other zany episodes, like who would win? I think. Yeah, you know, here at the FTF podcast studio, here we're always trying to come up with new and exciting formats to deliver to you the listeners and uh, today is going to be an experiment it's going to be a bit of a wild ride we'll see how it goes i'm excited yeah yeah i'm excited and if you're listening to this then that means we found it at least you know passable so uh, yeah we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes that's how on the edge this episode is going to be it's going to be awesome it's going to be wild well, it's, again, going back to our generator that we've been working on. Obviously, you know it as the, what, what have we been calling it? The, the, who, would win, the yeah. who Would Win Fantasy Scenario Generator TM. TM, I know. Yeah. Okay. So we use the same technology that we've been hard at work in the FTF laboratory to say, if we can generate scenarios and character matchups, then do we have the technology to be able to generate whole books? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, a lot of people are like, oh man, writing a book is so hard, so much work, but can we create sort of a, an algorithm, a generator that basically writes the book for us? I don't see why not. Well, we fell far short of being able to create a generator that writes a whole book, but we have gotten to the point where we can generate ideas for fantasy books, and then Charles and I can apply some of our improv skills that we uh, do or don't demonstrate oh during our Who Would Win episodes and try to expand on what the generator spits out there as the idea and see if we can come up with some fun <laughs> sort of outlines more verbal outlines for what stuff would happen in the story that's absolutely right we we've come up with a new generator our fantasy book generator and it's basically tm, TM of course thank you uh what we're going to do is create a book title and some characters and we'll see if we can't piece a nice little fantasy book together yeah, and I mean, let's not delay. No, no, it's not delay. It's not going to go awry. It's going to be great. It's going to be going to be really, really good. It's going to be awesome. Nice. Everyone's going to love it. Uh, so, <laughs> as Charles said into the mirror this morning, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm totally a hundred percent confident in this idea. Uh, so, 
Yeah, what, what we're going to do is we have a, a book title generator, and what that's going to do is it's going to pick two random uh, two random nouns, I guess, that are common in fantasy book titles, and we're going to try and stick to the blank of blank formula. So I'm going to go ahead and... Like a Game of Thrones yeah, or yeah, Lord uh, of the Rings, that kind of stick yep, with it. Yep, 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 exactly correct. So let's, you know... Let's do this thing. Are you ready, Dylan, for what our book title's going to be? I'm ready. Generate two of those nouns, Charles. All right. So the first word on our first title generator is fantasy, and then the next one, <laughs> and then the oh, next, come on, and then the next one is the word raven. <laughs> this doesn't uh, really, <laughs> really. Yeah. As you can see, the generator is off to a great start. <laughs> can we make a, a book? fantasy of raven? <laughs> A raven of fantasy. Why did we put fantasy in there? I don't know. <laughs> but it's in there. Uh, do we try and make this work or do we draw again? The fantasy of the raven. raven fantasy? The raven's, raven. the raven's fantasy. Ra- like The raven's fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do we, let's try it. Let's try it. <laughs> okay. So the book title is The Raven's Fantasy. Guys, I mean, I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover or maybe its cover title, it's but title. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. You know, what? Are you? what is The Raven's Fantasy? I think that's going to be the whole theme of this book. Um, All right. Well, Charles, we need to know who our main character is. Yes. A Raven's Fantasy. Is it a Raven's or the Raven's? Ooh, I'm open. Do you have a preference? Let's go with The Raven's Fantasy. Okay. The Raven's Fantasy. All okay. right. So, what so we now we're going to pick like a character role. This could be anything from like prince, princess, wizard, warrior, that kind of thing. So, who is our protagonist? Our protagonist, Charles, beep boop beep. Is a princess, in fact. Ooh, yeah. a princess. I called it. All right. So the Raven's Fantasy stars a princess. And let's go ahead and get an archetype for her. And I'm going to go ahead and pick a random archetype. A loyal sidekick. <laughs> Wait, she's the loyal? So the main character is a loyal sidekick and a princess. Yes. Well, I have to think that she's a loyal sidekick to the Raven. <laughs> it's possible, you know, maybe the Raven is some sort of driving force of the story. And, you know, who knows what it's fantasizing about. And the princess is like, well, whatever it is, I'm in all the way. And I'm okay. I'm going to help you achieve this, this dream of yours. So we'll see if that's where it goes. I guess we need an antagonist, Charles, our villain here. All right. I'll pick that. Beep, boop, beep. The antagonist is a dwarf. <laughs> All right. And, oh, very appropriately, you never guess what I drew, a reluctant hero. Interesting. So the antagonist is a reluctant hero. And then <laughs> that's a, the antagonist <laughs> is a dwarf. reluctant hero. This is getting kind of a bit convoluted. <laughs> 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 but you know, some readers like it when things get complicated and t- and like all over the place. We're, we're experimenting with character roles here. Let's try and make this work. So we have okay, we'll a, try. The princess is our. Oh, what it could be maybe is a story about a princess who's a loyal sidekick to a dwarf, but then the dwarf ends up being like a bad guy, 
and somehow there's raven stuff involved. You know, well, like, here's what I think, Charles. Yeah. I think the dwarf is the raven, and the raven gets some sort of idea of the way that the raven wants to make the world or change the world, and that's the raven's fantasy. So I think, what if, oh, what if the princess is, like you said, loyal sidekick to the raven, this this dwarf, and uh, it, it's kind of like a twist that it turns out that the dwarf is actually a villain the dwarf kind of reluctantly comes to figure out all these things are wrong with the world on this adventure that the dwarf the raven is yeah, on yeah. with uh the princess and then like the dwarf sees themselves as this reluctant hero charles mm-hmm. when he tries to make his fantasy a reality that's true. Maybe what we have here is there's the dwarf, right? He's our reluctant hero, right? So maybe we can twist it, right? So he's his maybe his dream, right, or his fantasy or his vision or whatever. We're going to very loosely define fantasy there is something that's not in line with what a hero does. Like he's on a mission, he's supposed to do something heroic. So he's reluctantly doing that when he wants to do something else that makes him the antagonist. And then the twist is that he eventually falls into that dark side, you know, piece of it. And the princess, our antagonist, is the one who's like trying to stick by him, but as he's more and more... You mean protagonist. Yeah, our protagonist. I keep saying this confused. Our loyal sidekick. Yeah, our loyal sidekick, <laughs> our protagonist, is trying to stick loyally to the dwarf's side, right? And then as they, as the story progresses... The dwarf is falling more and more into the like antagonist role, and the princess, our main character, is like, "How loyal am I to this <laughs> to this character?" Right. <laughs> so I think the princess's character arc is basically coming to realize that she no longer wants to be as loyal as I can, or be a sidekick at all right. with the dwarf. Right. The, that everyone knows as the Raven because the dwarf has gone astray trying to implement his vision for the world. Right. And then, you know, uh, the role of a princess is that eventually one day they become a queen or something, right? So it's like the shift in responsibilities potentially also. Like, um, potentially, like, oh, like, as the I'm trying to transition from the loyal sidekick to the queen. You know, that's an interesting... Um, progression because princesses are like this there's this like seen not heard kind of thing that you could have about like a medieval style princess of like oh we just kind of marry them off to someone and negotiate and they don't actually hold power you know that kind of uh trope but then it's like you know and so she's expected to be this loyal sidekick and then as she advances in the story she becomes a, a leader or something like that Right. So we need to figure out, Charles, how did the princess become the Raven's loyal sidekick? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, where? what's the background to that? That's true. And we should also just, yeah, so we should decide if the princess is also a dwarf, right? Is this this reluctant hero <laughs> dwarf character? Is this reluctant hero like the queen or an older sister or an older brother or something like that? like next in line or something maybe it's the younger sister or something i don't know i don't know like what what roles would a princess be a loyal sidekick to in what roles would a princess be a loyal sidekick maybe to uh um what if she if she's engaged Charles, like uh, it's tired it's tired Charles. Yeah. we can do better i think <laughs> what if she is 
like an exiled princess or her uh-huh. kingdom has collapsed in some way How grim and she's kind of trying to put the yeah <laughs> she's trying to put the pieces back together and somehow she's taken in by this like dwarf the rave like who's in charge of some sort of like dwarf either kingdom or land or whatever right uh, and he kind of like inculcates her into the fold charles mm. right. what do you think of that i am digging that maybe he you know we can come up with a situation because the princess needs to get needs some skin in the game for whatever it is maybe the dwarf is promising like oh like i can help you get back into power or something get you back on the throne get revenge for your betrayal or whatever whatever the case is and then she's like right yes absolutely and then this is like he's showing her like a whole new world of like strength and power and fighting and and loyalty and all this other stuff uh but then the dwarf is like you know i've in his mind he's just shamelessly using her to do his own stuff and he plans on betraying her or whatever but he's slowly being like you know she's all right kind of a thing maybe i don't know like what makes it that antagonist role well, I think there's two routes we can go for why, like, the dwarf is either the antagonist the whole way, like, is doing all that kind of crap behind the scenes and then becomes the reluctant hero at the end, or the dwarf is a reluctant hero at the start, Charles, and then comes to the point where he's the raven and he's going to institute his fantasy by actually having been a villain, like, actually mm-hmm. becoming a villain mm-hmm. at the end. So, I think either way, if we're balancing villain or antagonist and reluctant hero here, like it's more like that's the transformation rather than that's what he always he wasn't always both. So which do you prefer, reluctant I'm, hero yeah. to villain? I'm wondering. It's like to so: is hero? the dwarf manipulating the princess from day one, or is the dwarf realizing that the princess is no longer like you know the dwarf is realizing that the princess is becoming more and more of a opposing force right this idea of like the reluctant hero it's like oh i i'm doing this but i don't really want to be doing this so it's like what is charles Mm -hmm. what if it's a corruption arc for Ah, the princess for the and the dwarfs the kind of the villain at first and then as he's seeing all these the ways in which the so like like you said charles princess grows up in this sort of patriarchy type society and that's why she starts off more like submissive and she is seeing like she, you know she's seeing people like the raven the dwarf character here as uh like oh i should be their sidekick i should be subservient to them because they know what's actually going on but because everyone in her family has died and whatever left her exiled well, she is actually the like heir to the throne the rightful heir to the throne now because mm-hmm. there's no one else left charles right so she was kind of realizing that over time and she's uh, actually as someone sort of like rendered powerless uh, in her role as a princess, like kind of near power, but doesn't have it at the start. Now, as she's getting this opportunity to potentially be the queen and actually rule, right. she's 
rallying against all these messed up things about her society that kept her subservient in her previous role. Right, and the more she's loyal to the dwarf and the more their story progresses, the more power they get and the more taste for power the princess has, the less she becomes a loyal sidekick and the more she becomes like this corruption arc, like tyrant role. And then the dwarf becomes the reluctant hero when he's like, now I have to do something about this and I have to like take her on. Kind of a so, thing. the dwarf. Ooh, so she comes in, Charles, and the dwarf has this vision for how the like the dwarf is going to change the world, right? The Raven's fantasy, of course, mm-hmm. and then like he's got some dark ideas of all this kind of stuff, and she's kind of like, okay, yeah, this is a little messed up, but this is my only like safety is being with the Raven and his crew here, and then. Like, his dark ideas are actually embraced to too large an extent by the princess. Like, the princess ends up, over the course of the novel, just going too far. That's that our corruption arc. And we have kind of, like, the ravens grappling with, like, oh, my God. Like, uh, she's gone so far on the end of my, like, ideals that she is going to make the world, like, really messed up she's gonna flip it on on its head in a bad way Mm -hmm. and then he has to say you know what enough is enough and he like when he betrays her like kills her in the end of the novel charles yeah then that's like the raven's vision the whole time was like her uh well like here, like okay, I'm going okay. back to because here's some I I yes to all of that and here's the thing right the the Raven's fantasy if we're gonna can keep this thing of the dwarf being the Raven which is fine maybe this idea of fantasy right it's like this idea he has in his head maybe the idea is like oh like the princess is still good we can still work together like we can you know coexist and she there's still good in her and all this other stuff right that's his fantasy right the fantasy that they can both exist and be at peace and whatever and he's reluctant but then he has to reluctantly act against it so it's like this the 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 we're getting close to a theme here of right. something like you know um let letting go of loved ones or something like that or cutting toxic people out of your life even if they're family you know maybe it's interesting something like that i was, I was thinking it was like Frankenstein's monster, right? There's like that quote. Uh, they say it's like, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, uh, the whole thing about like the real monster is Doctor Frankenstein, not actually Frankenstein, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, what if there's? It's just like something with the dwarf creating the monster that is the princess and having to like stop it like that's kind of oh like maybe his fantasy was putting the princess on the throne and everything's gonna be happy dory and he'd be sitting pretty and then it's like oh you know what that's not working out and i have to reluctantly do the right thing and doing the right thing makes him the antagonist and makes him the person who in the end is actually implementing their vision their fantasy yes uh like so and what if I know you're saying there, Charles, that the dwarf has uh, these uh, ideas from the start almost that like the princess is his way to 
control someone mm-hmm. and implement his vision. So what if he was the one, unbeknownst to the princess, who caused her to end up in exile this and who like turn. killed all her family? But I have to, I because I'm open to it. We need, but where I was like, where my brain was was that um, the dwarf has actually likes the princess, you know, and that's the whole reluctant hero aspect of it was like I actually care about this individual um, yeah which how you work that then into I also killed your whole family and I manipulated you the whole time um could work but well he can start with a plan like he doesn't know the princess he just knows that there are these rulers and they can be like crappy people I think like you can have the her ruling family be pretty messed up rulers like corrupt all this kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. and she's kind of this meek person at first because of the role she's been put in by being a princess in a society and he topple like the ravens is rebel like topples the government in some way but like doesn't know the princess yet thinks that she could be used and if he gets her on the throne and kind of has her ear then he's going to now be able to rule and do the thing the way do it the way he wanted to and he can come to like her over time and that can be what's complicated like when he actually starts doing this he's like oh she's actually pretty nice or whatever or interesting or smart or all these things she's gonna have when she eventually like goes bad breaks bad okay yeah this is an interesting dynamic here um I'm I'm on board with it. So we have the Ravens Fantasy by the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast, uh, starring a princess who is the loyal sidekick to a dwarf known as the Raven, who is who helps the princess who was recently exiled. You know, find a new life, maybe some kind of warrior princess kind of thing as she attempts to regain the throne throw in a little bit of a corruption arc which is kind of trendy right now i do think that's a great move um corruption arcs are big and uh and um as that corruption art starts to materialize the dwarf takes on the antagonist reluctantly takes on the antagonist role but also the more perceived heroic role as well yes and uh that's the story yeah I mean, don't forget all the character growth. Oh, so much she becomes, growth. She, well, she starts like pretty much oppressed in her role, and then she comes out of her shell and shows all these gifts that she has over time, Charles. Right, right. Like and maybe she was she, like emotionally uh, abused or something like that, so she's very quiet. She doesn't really have many opinions. She has no confidence. You know, all these things. And then through the school of hard knocks and through her loyalty to the dwarf, she learns how to build that confidence and that authority and that yes. self-worth and all that. But to what end now? It's like creating, yeah, you know. uh, to too much of an extent here <laughs> yeah. uh, that she goes all the way to the other side and goes too far with the Raven's vision or fantasy, if you will, for what oh, the world should be like. That's a little capital L literature right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been circling around that. <laughs> I mean, she's got to, I think that's the thing that pushes the raven over the edge to have to betray or kill her at the end is like, yes, I had all these ideas of we're going to rebel against the 
way of things. We're going to hashtag break the wheel, if you will, for the Game of Thrones fans out there. Mm-hmm. But it's just too much, this these ideals, if you implement them rigidly, and she starts becoming so rigid. Right, and let's let's extrapolate here. Let's get to the ending. So I'm more interested in like now that we've got the beginning of her character. Right now she's corrupted, and now the dwarf is taking on the reluctant hero role. How does this come to a head? It's a corruption arc, and, and uh, you kind of alluded to the dwarf killing the princess, um, which I'm still on board with. I'm just considering all our options here. Let, let's let's <laughs> come in, let's come to an ending. Uh, gotta be some epic kind of battle, um, for sure. <laughs> well, what is the thing that makes the dwarf realize that the princess has gone too far? I think that we need to know. Yeah, and we kind of also need to know what the Raven's fantasy truly is. <laughs> I think it's like leveling the, it's breaking the wheel, right? It's leveling the playing field. They're in this monarchy. Yeah, maybe uh, dwarves are like a second class sure. race or something like that. Right. Bring xenophobia into the mix. Always a hot button thing in fantasy. Um, I think that, yeah, having the dwarves be oppressed gives them justification for why they start doing things like murdering and royalty. having royalty being oppressors would yeah. put the dwarf more in a hero role also right which is what so, the character arc that we're trying to do is of this reluctant hero um, slash protagonist so, yeah so they're they're rebels they're revolutionaries but you have to question their methods to some extent charles these uh the raven and his murder charles that's what a uh, no that's crows oh <laughs> right like a group of crows is a murder yeah a, a group of ravens what is that called i don't know aren't ravens and crows the same thing <laughs> no i don't think so maybe they are what's a group of ravens oh are you googling this charles? i'm typing the... it in what it what oh it's called an unkindness Oh, the unkindness. That's like... Collective nouns for a group of ravens include unkindness, treachery, and conspiracy. In practice, most people use the word flock. (laughs) Uh, Okay, but I think what if it's like the raven and his unkindness? That's the name of his revolutionary group. And I think that, yeah, his methods are And if he does perceived... um, betray also in a conspiracy that all yes. wraps around this theme of, of birds, <laughs> of ravens. Of birds. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the raven and his unkindness have all these like messed up methods, right? We use the word Machiavellian a lot on our podcast to describe some of these characters like Rin or whatever. Uh, I think that the methods are pretty Machiavellian. The ends justifies the means. They do some messed up things, but even the raven has something of a like moral code. So when here's a here's princess, something interesting yeah. here's something interesting because let's if you take this Machiavellian end defines the means things and you you could twist it a bit maybe be like the dwarf was you know kind of like we've seen a lot of characters who are able to kind of offset responsibility by saying oh there was a demon in me or oh there's a god possessing me you know forcing my hand there is a kind of like um, moral justification for being like oh we're these we're the unkindness we're like this oppressed group we have justification to do whatever we want but then all of a sudden he's 
reluctantly taking on this hero role because now he's all of a sudden got responsibilities and he's starting to like like some of these people he's starting to like you can use this excuse of being like a mercenary roguelike person to justify doing all kinds of stuff like oh and defines the means but then you're like maybe not though like there's a lot that's in between that i actually really care about and want to you know protect or whatever you know like put that on his head yeah so he starts learning that i think I think what makes him the reluctant hero, Charles, as, as we've been saying, is when he decides that he has to kill the princess because she's gone too far. That's, And I think you can build toward that with the things that you're saying there, Charles, yeah. where he's like, uh, okay, oh, I'm learning that even my philosophy as like justified in it as I feel, there are people I care about. Yeah, or maybe the ends I aren't always justified. Them. Like, Well, he learns that yeah. because the princess is so Machiavellian by the end of it that he's like, that's too much. Like you can't do X or Y or Z. We just have to know what is, was the thing that makes, cause she, I think like by the end, she's the like real leader of the revolution. And she's like justified in doing that because she's a rightful heir of the throne, heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. So they like kind of can rally both sides, both like the Royals kind of like see her validity uh, as a ruler but the uh, common folks see all the things she's doing as a revolutionary. So she's like becoming so powerful, Charles. Right. But And sometimes with politicians, you have to make a few concessions to get support, right? So what if part of that is like she becomes a little xenophobic or whatever or supports people that are xenophobic and she's like getting more into that role of like, well, we'll just oppress like those dwarves over there or something, you know, like she starts to get into that, like, cause I need these votes or whatever, or I need that army or, you know, whatever right. it is. It's like, we can't win without the soldiers and I can't <laughs> get the soldiers without, you know, um, greasing the palms of a guy that hates dwarves. <laughs> like, <Charles. I> don't... <laughs> well, but I don't know. Maybe the dwarves is too, like, I don't know if the Raven would, it wouldn't be complicated if the Raven saw the princess like oppressing other dwarves. It's very straightforward of like, no, you can't do that. The whole thing was about helping dwarves. So what if she starts oppressing elves, Charles, <laughs> who were traditionally obviously like rivals to these dwarves and stuff like that, but they are also oppressed in this society just as much as the dwarves are. That's so true. she's kind of like, let's pin this all on the elves and somehow the raven is able to figure out, hey, I thought elves were bad at first, but I started to get to know elves or whatever. And when he sees her doing to elves what was originally done to dwarves, even though it serves the dwarves well, um, it, he's like, no, I, I can't let this happen to another people. Yeah, and you could have these scenes where this third party, these elves, go straight to the raven and be like, yo, dude, we need your help and you have to help us because if this deal goes through, we're screwed and we need to take some kind of action. And he's like, I don't really want to do that, but I, you know, I can't, my reluctant hero trope thing is making me want to do it. And then, uh, yeah, that's how we get to where we're going. Right. Okay. But So she does something to elves is... And right, and he does he something that draws the line in the sand and puts them yeah. at odds. 
and then that opens us up to like a trilogy at least i'd say <laughs> that's just the this is just the raven's fantasy no like you have two more books coming up or at least <laughs> a whole intellectual property wow Charles. <laughs> i don't know what's happening in the rest of the books especially if the uh, well now they're fighting Ooh, charles what if at the start the raven actually did want elves to be like subservient in the society so part of the reluctant hero thing is like oh my god like i wanted elves to be the ones who kind of take the heat in this society i want dwarves to be lifted up and i want some vengeance or whatever on humans which i assume the princess is a human and it's like the princess actually creates that society by the end right elves are oppressed so the raven fantasy has been implemented but he, like, by the end of it, he thinks that all that is wrong. Hmm. So that, then that's when he reluctantly heroes his way to, like, killing the princess or whatever. Well, maybe. I, I, I fear that if we want the dwarves to go against the elves and then switch, that I feel like we're switching too many things too much, you know? Uh, maybe what we can do is to at least have the the dwarves, uh, the ravens, fantasy, right? Because aren't aren't crows like um, kind of solitary? Also, isn't that like a thing about ravens? Like, there's usually just a couple or one. But like, if we go down on this like rogue-like thing, where he's more isolationist and being like, I'm just trying to look out for my kind and myself, you know, and I'm in a bad situation just by the nature of who I am, and I'm just trying to not be subservient to anybody and I don't really care what's going on outside in the out you know okay. in the political world I'm just doing my own thing and f you if you're trying to do something else you know but then as he gets more involved with the princess and he's helping people out he's taking on more of a hero role reluctantly because he's been often there's always this archetype of the like I'm the loner type. I don't love anybody. I just look out for me and myself and no one else. And then they start to like, you know, the cracks start to show and whatever. That could be something of a trope that we're going with but here. But he can't be a loner and a like leader of a revolution. No, no, no. But maybe he's time. just like, you know, I'm really only looking out for me and mine and like, oh, like he's okay. not involved politically. And then as he gets involved politically and realize it's more complicated than just taking care of yourself, it's like now you have to get involved in all this stuff and the more you get involved like the more you shoulder responsibility the more you have to start drawing lines in the but what's his fantasy then his fantasy is a better a better a better world for himself and his his crew and then also maybe that he can live peacefully with the princess or whatever or maybe even that they can both be on the same side or something um would be this fantasy I just don't want him to be like twisting his allegiances to everyone all the time throughout the whole book. You know, I want to reserve the amount of twists to like the amount of mind changing going on too. I think all we need Charles is he wants a world to be better for dwarves. I think that, and everything else is secondary. And I think if that's where he stands for the vast majority of the book and his fantasy is like a world where dwarves or at least no longer oppressed, then I think, like, I like the revolutionary aspects of it. I think yeah. we kind of need that foundation for the princess to actually, like, 
have a have fighters and people on her side where this can go to a war or an uprising. So I think the all we need is the vast majority of the book. The Raven only cares about dwarves and then somehow gets to the point where it's like oh no i can't watch this happen to another and maybe the princess can be like look to have a world where every like every type every race is equal is like a fantasy someone has to be at the bottom could be like her her kind of idea that she becomes it's like someone's gotta be at the bottom and uh you know this is what it's gonna take yes to to be at the top you know someone's got to be below you and then he's like uh i disagree (laughs) yeah so which is an interesting thought about like how power works and you know like what's worth fighting for what's impossible to avoid and stuff like that right the whole she sees it as a zero-sum game and he is more idealistic yeah she's like you can't have the rich without the poor and then he's like why can't everyone just do their own thing (laughs) and that's how it goes right yeah he's trying to create a society that levels the playing field completely she she's like more I don't know if pragmatic's the right word, but like ruthless and kind of like, this is the... I'm taking what I can uh, get as much as I can get kind of thing. Yeah. So I think that's the... He thinks all ships can rise with the tide, (laughs) but she thinks by the end of that, that it's naive. In fact, it's just a fantasy. Yes, it's true. And you know, we could subvert the dwarf thing by having them be like seafaring <laughs> to dwarves. <laughs> because Why? like, I don't know, maybe there's like gold in the mines. And so they're like, okay, dwarves, get out of the mountains because we want them now because there's gold in there. Ooh. And so they have to be like nomadic. And they're like, you think we okay. like being in these freaking ships? We ate the water. The water sucks. <laughs> but but it's yeah. like, this is what we were resorted to because all the land was taken. You know, potentially. I don't know. It's just yeah. a thought. Ships is tough, but I like the idea of the, like they're no longer in the mines or in the mountains like that. or whatever you're stereotypical yeah yeah they've been uh, forced to leave and that's part of what they're disgruntled about or them just being nomads and, and, if you want them to be pirate dwarves charles I can, i'm not uh, saying pirates that, but... But i'm just saying like <laughs> there's no land that welcomes them i like that land, but yeah, at yeah. least not in the mountains. Uprooted. I don't care if they're in the water or not, but it's not in the mountains. Yeah. It seems interesting because you don't want to go into so many of the tropes. You know, this is this is modern fantasy. People, we're not just gonna put dwarves in mountains and talk about gold and all that stuff. Well, I think you have a fun way of playing with that trope, Charles, by having part of their story of why they want to revolt is that they've been forced to leave their original home. Right, and as fantasy readers, we'd be more likely to see him as a hero, too, because we know, like, Dora's supposed to be in the mountains. That's, like, the whole thing. So, um, yeah, it plays on that kind of expectation, too, which was good. I like that, Charles. That's it. The Raven's fantasy. And the, right and um yeah and it, it may be so, considered a fantasy to try and um to try and uh just peacefully without conflict getting what you deserve and, without and oppressing anyone like, else yeah, you can't that's get, the fantasy the fantasy Charles. is like you can't just get equality without having to fight for it kind of a thing i think it's like 
I think the princess's attitude by the end is telling the raven that his thing is just a fantasy. Like his idea of actually leveling the playing field for everyone is just a fantasy. It's naive. Or it's naive um, to think he can do it without oppressing others sure. or something. Yeah, that's, that's her the, take. That's yes, that's what I think. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the way this has to go, Charles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, so it's like there's an epic like titular line that the <laughs> princess says to the dwarf where it's like your idea of doing this way, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's just a fantasy and I'm done with the Raven's fantasy. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. And, and then it's like, end of book one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's not real. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think we did it, Charles. I'd read that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe. If, I mean, if it was well written, I, I think that's kind of the thing, right? Like, eh, ideas are kind of a dime a dozen, as I think we're kind of showing here. Like, that could be written really poorly or really well. I think there's a funny story about Jim Butcher where he's on an online forum and he was like, look, it's all about writing that's Jim Butcher author of the Dresden Files and the Codex Alera and he was on online forum and someone said uh, to him like how important ideas are and blah blah and he was like no ideas don't matter it's about actually like, writing them and executing them and then uh, they were he was like I could write any idea you give me and basically it was like come up with one a la fantasy book generator <laughs> almost and someone told him like it's like Pokemon meets the Roman Empire buyer like roman legions and then he wrote the codex alera <laughs> and he was like yeah see uh, that's a ridiculous idea but i as a good writer can write something good out of it so i think uh, all that's to say that this idea it's all about someone actually if they execute it well probably could be good if they didn't mm-hmm. what i'm awful. hearing is we need to get jim butcher attached if we're gonna get the raven's fantasy off the I'll, ground <laughs> i'll get right on that on social media charles awesome <laughs> yeah so should we like summarize where we landed on this because we said a bunch of different ideas i mean um sure i guess we can kind of popcorn it back and forth here uh a la high school uh the raven's fantasy by the friend's Talking Fantasy Podcasts uh, stars a princess who, through unfortunate events, winds up uh, exiled or destitute in some way. Mm -hmm. And that's how she somehow, by chance, meets uh, the raven. Uh, Or maybe not so much by chance, Charles. Maybe by design. Maybe by design. uh, She meets... uh, the Raven, which is a leader of nomadic dwarves who are trying to... Rec- exiles themselves, Charles. <laughs> exiles themselves, right. And the princess is kind of enamored by his leadership and she identifies with their struggle and she becomes the uh, loyal sidekick. The dwarf obviously sees potential in having a princess in the, in the game and... Uh, they work together to get equality for the dwarves and put the princess back on the throne. That's kind of the arrangement. Right. Thank you for saying the stage. That's kind of act one, Charles. Yeah. Uh, so as the princess follows the dwarf, the raven, as he's known, uh, they start to try to actually implement 
the Raven's ideals for what the world should be like. The Raven wants to level the playing field and bring it to the point where there's equality for all folks, really mostly thinking about dwarves who have been exiled from their mountain homes and oppressed in this society. And over time, the princess is learning and gathering how to be a leader because it's a patriarchal society that she grew up in where she was kind of oppressed herself uh, in her role as a princess. Uh, but now she's the rightful heir to the throne, and she's learning all of these things about what it means to be a leader from this sort of revolutionary figure, uh, the leader of the nomadic dwarves, the raven. And she is kind of starting to see that the raven might be a little too idealistic, that he might be a little bit too naive to actually create this world, and she doesn't know if it's actually possible to create a world where everyone's equal. And she's starting to think, Charles, maybe there needs to be someone else who gets oppressed to bring the dwarves up. Mm. Meanwhile, you have the raven who, up until now, has been very successful gaining independence for his tribe by living in this nomadic lifestyle they have the strength and the means to live independently and he's realizing now that to be equal in this political spectrum they have to get involved with all kinds of other groups and the princess has been a huge catalyst in yes. all of that opens a lot of doors right and so what he's starting world. to realize is like man as i'm exposing myself more and more to politics and all this stuff through the princess i'm entering this realm of like having to make tough choices that have consequences that i would have never had to face being the living the nomadic lifestyle and um, that's when you have this conflict of ideals right so it's pretty tough for this, I guess, somewhat good-natured at heart, uh, Dwarf the Raven, to try to make some of these more ruthless or Machiavellian choices that one might have to make to actually successfully uh, complete a revolution. Right. And we don't know if he really has the stomach for it. He's kind of idealistic. And the princess, though... Maybe she does have the stomach for it, Charles. That's right. The princess is starting to see, like, what we need to do right now is, you know, something like, you know, march on the elves or something or get buddy-buddy with this unsavory character or whatever. Um, something that the dwarf would have never normally considered. I'd be like, mm -hmm. you have to take these kind of risks. You have to, you know, make some enemies if you're going to get to the top and that's what I want. I want to get back to the top. And then the dwarf's like, I'm right. not so sure what I want anymore if this is right or anything like that. And um, that's when the, the line is drawn. Yeah, so th the princess basically tells him that his way of thinking about the world is just a fantasy, that if there's going to be someone at the top, there have to be people at the bottom, and she's going to do some sort of nefarious thing, make some nefarious deal that will uh, oppress the elves in order to both like get her back on the throne or something like that, as well as like bring up the dwarves and get the dwarves back to maybe their mountain home, something like that. And uh, we need him to be a reluctant hero at the end, Charles. So I don't know. I don't know if we need a trilogy. Honestly, I think maybe like don't say just... that. You gotta think of the the sales. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, either way, at he does something heroic at the end, and I think 
maybe that's just like separating himself from the princess and trying to do what's right. But I, I mean, know, they can fight battles. Her. They can go to war. They can sure. spill blood, but they can both be alive at the end. You know, they can come to a yeah. head two books down the line. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know, Charles. I think you tell the story that there is to tell. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe we leave it open-ended depending on sales. If there's <laughs> demand for a uh, second book, Charles, it turns out the princess isn't really dead. No, it's super <laughs> cheap if you do stuff like that. He does something heroic at the end. He maybe like mounts a, like he sends his troops in against the princess in some way and uh, is st- able to stop her from oppressing. He elves. could defend, for he now. could defend, for now, he could defend the mountains right. from her protecting the people that currently occupy it. Maybe, you know, who are the elves? Maybe could be. <laughs> could be. Sure, sure, right. He he defends. I think it's he defends the elves um, and is able to keep them from getting oppressed for now. But she's still alive. But by doing gonna... that, he's basically declared war, or yes. on her, or ca- yeah. caused her to declare war on him. You know that kind of a exactly, thing. right. And that's how okay. It ends. And then war is declared. It's very ominous, and the right. book ends. <laughs> Exactly. And book two, I think the whole trilogy ends with him killing her, though. That's fine. That's fine. When it ends, when we're ready for that. But I guess we'll have a few books first. Jeez. Sure. sure. (laughs) Ready for book two. Video games, Netflix series, the whole gambit. The whole thing. (laughs) All right. I think we we told a story here, Charles. We told a story. We generated a fantasy book. (laughs) Honestly, it was. It was more coherent than I thought it was going to be going <laughs> into end, it. Anyway. Yeah. If you told me that we'd have what we just said at the end of like kind of summarizing it, I would be surprised we came up with something that. Yeah, this is a, a proper sense. treatment. You know, we send this to um, Jim Butcher's office and he'll uh, crank something out. And uh... <laughs> I'm sure he's dying for our ideas. <laughs> and yeah, we'll. We'll be we'll be set. Wow! Wow! All right, Charles. Yeah, we gotta someone write this. Yes, if if you want to write it or uh, do some art or something, go for it, and we'll um <laughs> we'll um we'll reach out <laughs> to you about the, the royalties. Yeah, we'll we'll talk royalties. Uh, we've been talking royalties all day, <laughs> talking about this princess, Charles. Heyo. <laughs> <laughs> all right well with that pun i think <laughs> i think it's yeah yeah we need to get you out of here buddy <laughs> yeah before i embarrass myself <laughs> oh. all right shall i the best place place to reach us if you did enjoy this episode and you want to talk more about the raven's fantasy or come up with your own ideas or whatever i would say it's at the fdf podcast one at twitter you can also find us on instagram or facebook at the fdf podcast you can go to the fdf podcast.com to find all sorts of things like our reading schedule and stuff like that you can see my Amazon progress bar which hasn't been moving as quickly as some might like and uh <laughs> yeah charles if they are oh they can also send us an email at the fdfpodcast at gmail.com that's uh, right. but charles 
if they're really enjoying this and they're if on you the Apple like podcasts, what you heard and you're on Apple Podcasts, you want to show us some love, toss five stars to our podcast, guys, right there on Apple Podcasts. I think we have like seven five star reviews, and you could be number eight. It makes a huge difference. If you like this format for a show, let us know. Honestly, I'm not sure how this is going to do. You never know. But it was fun to record. I feel better about it than I did going in, which is always a good sign. So make sure you Charles, let us you know. said you're so confident at the start. Oh, yeah, man. I, you know, I'm always confident, man. We always. As long as I'm talking fantasy with my friend, that's, that's all that needs to happen. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends. 